This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com That even though homosexuality was has been around since the Torah talks about it, so it's something that exists, but the marriage, the marriage, a marriage license, considered a marriage, that hasn't happened even in the Roman Greek times where immorality was immorality, but there was no marriage by a judge where you're actually married with the ksuba, with the with the contract, with a marriage license. But there's a medjish rabba, because Shlomo Melech said there's nothing new under the sun. So there's a medrash rabba, a very scary medrash rabba in Bereshis, Perak Chavav Sifdalad. And I want to read it to you, what it says from inside. It says, so there were the Chumash talks about in Bereshis that there were these two angels and the, 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 the world was doing very immoral acts and these two angels came to God and said um, you know, you should destroy the world the people that you've created, these human beings they're not worth keeping alive they're so, they're so bad you know, the angels, we're good we don't do things like this so keep the angel world alive but destroy the human world so Hashem said to the two angels, why are you judging the humans? You're living up here, you don't have a Yetzirah, you don't have an evil inclination, um, there's no women, right? There's none of this in Shemayim, right? There's no female male angels. If you lived in the world, you'd be just as bad as they are, maybe worse. So the two angels told God, this is in the Torah, in the Chumash. The two angels told God, yeah, you give us a chance, you make us human, you'll see that we're not going to be like them. And they're called, in the Chumash, in Pashat Bereshis, they're called the Nephilim. The Nephilim means to fall the angels that fell out of heaven, that were actually sent out of heaven into the world, because they claim that us human beings are so bad, but if they were in the world, it wouldn't be so bad. So the end of Pashat Bereshis, right before Noah, it says the following. But these two guys, these Nephilim, by the way, the giants, Og, and the four giants that lived in Kiris Arba, all these giants came from them because they didn't have human DNA. They had an angelic DNA, right? Um, so it says, Vayar Hashem ki Adam, Hashem said, I'm going to destroy the world. And these angels saw the Benoist Adam, and they did all types of sins. They did a lot worse than what the world was doing. Because the truth is, they didn't have a Yetzirah. Once they came to this world, they had a Yetzirah. So, the Medrash talks about these angels. And it says that they saw, they saw that the human woman was good. So he said, it says, Vayichulahem Nashim. They took for themselves, I'm quoting the Pasuk in Bereshis. They took for themselves wives from anyone that they chose. Says the Medrash. They took for themselves wives that they chose, right? These are women. They took from all that they chose, not the, what they chose, but from all. Says the Medrash, they actually had relations with other men and with animals. So these angels really fell. Rabbi Huna B'Shem Rabbi Omar. Rabbi Huna, in the name of Rabbi, says, Dar the generation of the great flood, Hashem had patience. He did not destroy them. He did not wipe them out from the world, right, with Noah's Ark. He did not do that. Add until until they wrote, we'll see what this means, to men. Men were writing this to men and they were writing it to animals. Says the Mephirish, who translates the, um, the Medrash, and he says, he said, they, they were free with this. They didn't feel bad about doing this. They were free. Why? 
Okay, this is, when was this measure written? Hundreds, 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 hundreds of years ago, right? That the judges, the Supreme Court of the world, the judges of the generation, how many people were living at that time? There weren't that many people alive. At that point, it was the beginning of the world, right? The judges of the world set up Sidre Chaiku Mishpat, books of law, with Toevos, to give you freedom to do all these immoral things. And they didn't feel that there was anything wrong with it. They didn't change their mind. Therefore, God decided at that point, because they're not going to do tshuva, we talked about this, you know, uh, rationalization, if you're doing something wrong and you rationalize it, then you don't think you're doing anything wrong, so you're not going to change. You only change if you have a guilty conscience, if you feel like you're doing the right thing. And people rationalize, they steal from the government. Well, the government gives money to people I don't want them to give to, so then I don't have to pay my tax, whatever. Everybody has rationalization for whatever we do. So once the person rationalizes it, he feels he's doing something right, he doesn't feel he's doing something wrong, he's not going to change. Okay? Amarab Shamlai, Bechomakam Shatomaitzi Znus, any place you find immorality, Bala Ailam, disease will come to the world, plague will come to the world, and the good will go with the bad together. has pity, except when it comes to immorality. As we see, by you, when these angels did what they did wrong, the next thing Hashem said was, I'm going to destroy man. And now he brings a raya, he brings a proof from Sedaim that that's how Hashem works. And he says the following. We know the two angels came to Sodom to destroy Sodom. But Lot was working on them a whole night. Don't, there's so many people and there's not, not everyone's bad. Don't destroy Sodom. There's so many people that are going to lose their lives. And even though these malachim were sent from Shemayim to destroy Sodom, Lot, because he was the nephew of Abraham Avinu, was able to slow him down and to talk them out of it. So even though they came to destroy Sodom, they weren't going to destroy Sodom. He actually talked them out of it, says, says the Medrash. Right? And they, were, they accepted what he was saying. They were like, okay, you know what? We'll go home. We won't destroy Sodom. He talked them out of it, even though they were sent on that mission. What happened? What happened? So the Chumash says that the Sodomites came to light, and they said, we know you have two men that you took in as guests, and you weren't allowed to take guests in, and the punishment for guests was death. But Lot was one of the shayftim, he was one of the big, big people there. So they said to him, listen, here's the deal. Send us out those two men. Send us out those two men, we'll let you live. Send us out those totsiyem, aleinu v'neida oisam, l'tashmish. And we'll have physical relations, you send them out, and we'll have physical relationships with them. The minute they said that, the minute the Sodomites told um, the two, t- told Lloyd that send us out the men, we're going to be physical with them, we're going to, I guess by force, right? The minute they said that, the Malachim turned to him and said, Oid mi forget about it, we're destroying this place. Who else do you have in this house? Any relatives? We'll save you and your family. Who else is in this house? Until now, we let you learn, we let you learn a defense for them. But once this is what they want to do, they want to, they want to take us and, and, and have physical relations, men with us by force, whatever it is, we're done. This place is going down, and of course, they destroyed Saddam. So, so, why is this so terrible? Right? Why is this so terrible? So, so the, of course, if the terrorist says something, the terrorist says something. But there's something I feel, that's very much bigger than this. And that is the following. Let us go to the creation of man and woman. Let's take a look at, as, lo- as far as the Torah is concerned, what is marriage? Why is there marriage? Actually, right, the Zayar talks about this, that when we were created, we were created man and woman. We were one big, Barolo Zacha Unikeva. The Zacha was on the front, and the Nekeva was on the back. When Hashem created man, he was one being. He was, he reproduced asexually, like an amoeba. 
right? He actually was a woman and a man in one person because it says Zacha Unikeva Bara. He created them a Zacha and a Nikeva. What happened? So I heard an unbelievable, uh, unbelievable Shalom bias share on this. So why did he split us? So we were one being, right? So if you look in the Torah, Hashem, we were above everyone else. Every animal needed a female to reproduce. You had to have a male and a female. The human being, we didn't need a female. We were, we were female and male. We had everything that we needed to have our own children without, without having a second person. We were like godly. We were able to have children as one person. Okay? That's how he created us. But there was a problem. And what was the problem? And I want to read to you what the problem was. No, first Hashem said, It's not good for a human being to be alone. There's nothing worse, says the Torah, than loneliness. It's not good for a person to be alone. So Hashem said, I am going to create another being to be with him so that they can help each other. And he made all the animals. He brought up to Adam to give them names. Right? And he gave, and he gave them names. Each one with a male and a female. Right? Fine. So, the Pasuk before this was saying, and I'm not going to get into this, a lot of Kabbalah in this, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but the Pasuk is saying before this, that when Hashem saw that Adam was lonely, he wasn't going to create, he was, again, he was one being, he wasn't going to create a woman. He was going to find something, some animal, some creature, that Adam would be comfortable with, that would be his mate. Hashem was not going to create a woman. So, he introduced Adam to all these animals. And he met the lion and the kangaroo. He met everything, right? But Adam looked at all these animals. He's like, no, this, I don't want a pet. I don't want a pet dog. I don't, I don't want a bird to talk to. I don't want fish. I don't want pets. This is not going to work. So Hashem saw, he could not. So Separated them and he created this woman. If he was had an animal, how would he have had the children? But he was he was a man and a woman. He could have children. He was just lonely. Now what? Now I'm going to say something amazing. Which I said last night, which a guy told me that he stopped in his car on the Bell Parkway and he was like, I can't believe what Rebbe said. So this is amazing because Lamaisa, the question here is, everyone, and this is so true. I'm doing Shalom Bias with people for a very long time. This is so true. So the question is, one second. Nechama, why was he lonely? She was on his back. Literally on his back, right? <laughs> and she's been on his back since then. No, okay, I'm just kidding. But she was on his back, right? So, so talk to her. So talk to her. She's on your back. Talk to her. Why are you lonely? You can talk to her. So I don't know if it's Rev Shimshin Pinkett says this. He said something unbelievable. He said if she was on his back, so her face was here and his face was here, so when he turned this way, he looked this way, automatically she looked the other way. If you have a face on your back and you turn this way, the face is looking this way. When he looked up, she looked down. When he looked down, she looked up. That is not an Asia Connect day. That is loneliness. When the person that you live with you're going in two different directions all the time. That's not a marriage. Just the opposite. That's levadoi. That's being alone. Even though she's on his back. That's true. And you can talk to her. That's true. But if I'm going left and she's going right. I'm going up and she's going down. I'm going down. She's going up. It doesn't work. So Kosh Baruch Hu said something amazing. He said it has to be panim al panim. They have to face each other. They have to be able to see each other. For human beings to have a relationship... Right? To talk to someone who's on your back, that's not a relationship. You have to be able to be panim upon him, to look at the other person's eye, to see the other person, to talk to the other person. So Akash Baruch Hu said, this is not going to work. I have to separate. V'kachoya, he separates them. And that's why halachically in Jewish law, when there's zivug, to a husband and wife, they have to be facing each other. Because it's exactly how Hashem created us. He separated us so that we face each other. If we don't 
face each other, if, we, if we're going in opposite directions, you're not married. You might be married, but you're not married. You might have a, 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 a what's it called, a slip that says you're married, but if I'm going one way and she's going the other way, and it's a very lonely place. And I know a lot of people that are married exactly like that, and they're very lonely, and it causes them to do things they shouldn't do, or it causes a lot of pain. They're very lonely because she says right, he's going left. He says left, she's going right. He says up, she's going down. Everything is the opposite. They don't see eye to eye, which we're going to talk about, Bill. It's connected to this week's parasha, right? That is a very lonely place to live. You could live to husband and wife in the same house and be very lonely. There are some very lonely people that are married. Everyone thinks, oh, I'm married, I'm not lonely. If, you, if, if the person who's going right, the other person, the wife is going left, and they're going in opposite directions all the time, it's a very lonely place to be. So Hashem, for, the, for us, God for us, the creator for us, separated female and male, and brings them back together to have a healthy relationship. If it was man and man, if that's the relationship, then we don't need women in the world. Why did he create women? Why did he create a woman? We were able to reproduce with a woman on our back. Why did he create this whole thing? If that's the essence of the world, but a Kurdish who created outside of, it's a very scary movie. The whole world became homosexual. So in 105 years from now, there's no one left in the world. If, if that's the way to live, if that is correct, forget about, you want to talk, Judaism, immorality, morality, whatever you want to talk, take that all on the side. Let's talk about the human race. If homosexuality, the whole world becomes that way, then there are no children. If there are no children, then in 105 years, let's say from now, the oldest man, a kid is born right now, let's say he'll live to 105 years old, there's no one left in the world because there's no reproduction. There's no reproduction, you have... Sunrise, sunset, water, oceans, mountains. You have all the beauties of the world. No human being left. Just animals and fish and insects. We're gone. It, it can't, it's not what he wants. It, it can't continue. The world will, cannot continue this way. It can't. So if we all went that way, and if it's the, the way of acceptance, there's no world. The world is over. You don't need a nuclear war, you don't need, um, uh, uh, you know, that the, that the ice cap is going to melt and the whole world's going to be underwater. You don't need any of that. So God created the world in a certain way. And he did it, and this, this is the point I'm trying to make. He did it latoiv. He did it for us. So when you take that and change it, and you throw it back at him and say, no, I, I'm not doing what you want. I'm doing what I want. And this is what I want. So I don't care that you separated me and that you made this man and woman thing and the relationship and everything is out. So, so the judge got up and he said, if you love, whatever you love, that's what you marry. So if you love a, a woman, you marry a woman. If you love a man, you marry a man. And what happens if you love an animal? There are people that walk around and their pets are, they don't like humans. And they're walking when they're, and their poodles are dressed up and showered and little bows and have jackets and they get, and they, you know, they get manicures and pedicures. And these people do not like human beings. They like their pets. So, so where do you translate? Where does, where does the word love? How do you translate that? You know, am I going to marry, I love chocolate. I'm going to marry a bar of chocolate. Like, where does that, so, so how do you translate such a word? It's a, it's a very big word. So then once you break that barrier, there are no barriers. So the cuffly type, the ingrate, so like, I don't care what you did for me, God. I'm going to do what I want. There's, a, there's an undercurrent of God is patient with everything. But the one thing, we, we've spoken about this many times, he's not patient with an ingrate. He's not patient when a person doesn't appreciate. That's the worst thing in a relationship. Even if you have a bad relationship, I, I just sat with someone today, two, two people that want to get divorced, whatever it is. But like, but she was like, you know, but I make your favorite supper every time. They're sitting in front of me. They want to get divorced. And she said, but I, but you know, as angry as I am, I make you this special rice that you like. And you know what he says? He says, thank you. And I appreciate that. So as, as far as they are apart from each other, he appreciates it. Not, not to appreciate, to, to be, and we're going to learn about Billam's donkey tonight, because that's the whole story this week, right? So, so I feel that the undercurrent of the whole thing is that, that we don't appreciate what real marriage is. And we don't appreciate what God did in the beginning of the world when he created the world. And that's very scary. 
And that hasn't happened since the Dor HaMabal. Never could a man marry a man. See, that's a statement. Being with a man is one thing, but you couldn't get a ksuva. And the Megish is very clear here that the shaykh and the judges of the land wrote the law. I'm talking about 5,000 years ago, okay? Wrote the law that man and man has a marriage license. So it's not something new. The, med- the Medrash is not something new. That's very scary. Everything else, whatever it is, you know, it's between you and God. You know, it's not my business. Your life is your life. It's not my business, especially non-Jew. It's not my business. But here you're making a statement. You're, you're, you're taking something precious that Hashem gave us, and you're saying we don't need it. We're going to decide what we want to do. And that's very, very scary. So I think the part that's, and, and it's just an interesting thing. You know, I, I talk about, I don't say, not everyone has to agree with me. It's not agree, it's, it's my opinion. And, and you have to agree with me. But it's just fascinating, very fascinating, because we know that when Xera is written, so the people that write it don't realize that in what they do, the Xera is there. For instance, Haman wrote La'avdam when it came to destroy us. He wrote the word La'avdam. La'avdam spells Lobadam. But the Xera was not written in blood, it was written in ink. He wrote that himself. On the, on the internet, that we're all so into the internet, and we, we're there five hours, eight hours, social network, we, we just can't get out of there. I'm not talking about religiously, I'm talking about relationship with your husband and a wife and your kids and yourself. We don't have time to spend because we're living in that, in that screen, right? So it's interesting that the guy who wrote the keyboard, and I don't know who wrote the keyboard, but whoever wrote the keyboard wrote enter. Whenever you put something in the computer, you hit enter. But when you want to go out of the computer, it doesn't say exit, the opposite of enter, it says escape. Why would he write ESCP? The opposite of enter is exit. So if I go, when I go in the computer, I enter. When I get out of the computer, I want to exit. So he, whoever it is, I don't know who wrote it. But whoever wrote it understood subconsciously. I don't think anyone ever dreamt what would happen, you know, in the social network, where in this whole world of computers, that the human being is more in there than he is in, in real life. But I don't think he dreamt it. But without realizing it, he wrote the word escape. That once you're in there, there's no exit. There's an escape. There's no exit. So when you when certain things are written, right, they're written subconsciously. If we look in Pasha's Noah, when it talks about the destruction of the world after the world was destroyed, so Noah was very scared. Like, how do I know you're not going to... How do we know this is not going to happen again? Right? So this is what it says. Listen carefully. God said, I promise you that I will keep my deal with you. I will never destroy the world through a flood. Never again, never again will there be a flood in the world. I will never do this again. And Hashem said, I'm going to give you a sign that you know that I will never destroy the human race again. And what is that sign? What is the sign that He gives us that no matter how angry He is, and no matter how much He wants to destroy the world, that He will not do it anymore? I will put a rainbow in my clouds. And that will be the symbol between me and earth. And you will, my clouds will be on the earth, and you will see this rainbow in the clouds. And that I will remember my deal, between me and you, between anything that's alive, anything that's alive in the world, I promise you, I will not do this again. I will not bring water to destroy life. And when you see this rainbow in the clouds, you will remember the deal between God and between all life. That is on the land. And Hashem said to Noach, this is the Ois HaBris, Asher Hikimaisi Beini Uben Kobasa, Asher Al-Aretz. So what is the symbol 
What is the symbol that no matter how upset God will get, He will never destroy the world? The rainbow. The rainbow. And therefore, if you see a rainbow, the halacha is you're not allowed to tell anyone that you saw it. You would think it's very beautiful. <gasps> Come, let's go outside, everybody, there's a rainbow. Halacha is you're not allowed to. Why? Because the rainbow symbolizes God's anger, that He wants to destroy the world, but He made a deal, and He's going to keep His deal. And there's a bracha, there's a bracha, when you see, the, when you see a rainbow, to bless Hashem for remembering the deal and not destroying us. The symbol of this whole movement is a rainbow. I didn't pick the symbol. I would have picked the butterfly. They picked the rainbow. <laughs> right? So, the symbol... When is the dove coming? The what? The dove. The dove? That's from the, that, that was from the Teva when he went out to get the leaf. Oh. The olive leaf. That's, that's before this. Oh. When Noah came out, he was very scared. Like, how do I know you're not going to do this again? You just wiped out the whole world. So Hashem said, I will never do it again. And I will use a rainbow to show you that I'll never do it again. So the symbol of the whole movement is a rainbow. And a rainbow in the Torah is a symbol of when Hashem wants to destroy the world. But He won't because He made a promise. Because He's God and He loves us and He cares about us. So it really hurts. It really hurts. Isn't the rainbow a sign of sin? Yes. It's a very bad sign. That's why you're not telling anybody about it. Okay, it's not a rainbow that you see. If you have a mist and the sun shining, it's a rainbow through clouds not after the rain. It's a real rainbow. Because you can make a rainbow. It's a prism. It's, it's the, the color of the, of the mist through the sun. It's what? It's being refracted. It's being refracted, right. right. So, so many of... So, 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 okay, so Friday, this went down, and, and he's my God, and I appreciate what he's done for me and for what he does for the world and everything, and I'm like, I'm sorry, Hashem. I'm just sorry that the human being just can't see straight. You know, that you created marriage to help us and to, and to and, and you know as and you could have left us as one being running around with a woman on our back and a man in the front and being one being and every everybody every animal having in a cave and the zakha and we would have been just one right we could have been we could have been all created male and had children just just like Hashem created a male and a female to have children he could have had, could have created male to, and males to have children he could have created females and females to have children he could have created anything there are there are certain animals and 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 insects and things that we produce in a very weird way in a very weird way. So, so the question is, so, so, so what can you do? And everyone was asking me, like, Rabbi Wallace, so what can you do? What can you do? This is the world. What can you do? Right? You can't get up and change the Supreme Court. It's the Supreme Court. You can't change their vote. So what should we do? Get up and protest? It's not going to change anything. So my answer is as follows. Paro had three advisors. Bilam. This week's Pasha, Bilam. He had Yisro and he had Eov. Those were his three advisors. He decided that he wanted to throw all the Jewish babies into the Nile and to kill them. But he was a Democrat. He was a Democrat. He wanted a vote. So the Medrash says the four of them went into a room and Pilate said, This is what I want to do. I want to take all the Jewish kids. I want to throw them, I want to throw them into the Nile River. So Paro said, my vote is, he's the king, I want, I say yes. Bilam, Harasha, said, he said, I say yes. Now Yisro did not want to kill Jewish kids, but he knew that if he says no, Paro's going to kill him. So he told Paro, I need to think about it overnight, the Medrash says. I can't give such an answer. It's like, kill kids, but I have to think about it. Okay. Eov, who saw that Yisro was getting away with it, said, I have to think about it too. What did Yisro do, says the Medrash? He knew that the next day, if he's going to say that the Jewish kids should be saved, that Paro's going to kill him. So he ran away. That night, he ran to Midjan. He ran away. He was like, I'm not, coming, I'm, not doing, I'm not getting involved in this vote. The next day, in walks Eov. And what's his name? He's not there. Yisro ran. So now Eov can't win. Because even if he says, I vote to, that you should not throw the children in, it's two against one. Bilam already voted yes. Paro already wrote it. So Eov said, I have no vote. So he said, he abstained. He said, I'm not saying anything. Okay? So, of course, it was two 
against an abstention, so they won, and they started killing the Jewish kids and throwing them into the, into the Nile. EO started to lose his kids, his money. We know that no one had bigger pain in his life than EO. So he asked Hashem, I don't understand why you're punishing me. I did not vote to throw the Jewish kids into the Nile. Why you do, no one had your surah like Eov. Why are you doing this to me? So it's an unbelievable answer. So Hashem said, Mida keneged Mida. What's the Mida keneged Mida? So this Friday I was cutting some vegetables and a knife slipped and it hit my thumb and I cut myself very deeply and I gave out such a scream because when steel cuts you, it, it, it hurts. I was like, oh! My wife's like, what's going on? My hand was bleeding. My finger was bleeding. And I, I just gave out one scream. I didn't keep screaming because the kids were there, whatever it is. It really hurt. I was like, oh, it really hurts. But I really let out a scream when I cut my finger. And I knew that I cut it deep. So it starts bleeding and it's gushing, right? Now, why did you scream? Did it stop the bleeding, screaming? Did screaming stop the bleeding? No. Did screaming stop the pain? No. You break your leg and you're screaming, you're still, you're still in pain. So why do you scream? It doesn't help you. You let out emotion. Because it hurts. So Hashem said, Eov, even though you couldn't do anything about it, it didn't hurt. Because if it hurt, you would have screamed and you would have said no, even if you can't win. You go through hospitals, and people are in pain, they're fetching, they're screaming, Mama, help me. They're screaming. It doesn't help them to scream. But when you're in pain, you scream. So Hashem said to Eov, when you're in pain, you scream. Paro's saying he's taking Jewish children and throwing them in the, and, and you're not, and you're abstaining? It means it doesn't hurt. And it should have hurt. So the media connected media is, I'm giving you pain where your screaming won't help. Just like you didn't do anything because you felt, what, what's my vote? It's not gonna do anything anyway. So now, what's your pain gonna do anyway? It's not gonna help you. It's not gonna stop the bleeding, and it's not gonna stop the pain. When it hurts, you scream. So that's how we have to react. I'm not talking about protesting in magazines and articles and all that. In your heart, in your heart, if it hurts, you have to scream. Whether it's by davening or by yourself on your bed or somewhere else and say, I am so sorry, God. I'm so sorry that between atheism and everything else that's going on in this world, no matter what you do, they don't see you. And the godless of God, I said it last night at my shir. What makes him God? What makes him God? What, what makes him above a human being? Because he gives the life, the life every day, the life, the ability to see, to walk, to talk, to have physical relations. You want to be man and man married and have physical relations? Who gives you the ability to have physical relations? Hashem gives you the ability. So even though we're spitting in his face, we're telling him we don't believe in you. We don't believe in you. We're atheists. Or we do whatever we want. And we don't care the beautiful things that you gave us when you created the world. We don't care. He still wakes us up the next morning and gives us vision and the ability to eat and the ability. He gives us the ability to smack him in the head. Only God can do that. No one else can do that. You're going against me. You don't believe I exist. Okay. Tomorrow morning, don't wake You're dead. You're dead. You're all dead. All the ones that don't believe in me, you don't believe in me? Okay. You're about to see me because the minute you die, you're going you're gonna to get to see me. So I should give you life so you should walk around and say that I don't exist? Goodbye. No goodbye. Parades, happiness, health. No goodbye. Even AIDS, which everyone thought was a punishment and this and that came to the world, there's a reform for AIDS. He gave the human being the ability to heal it. So that hurts. It's like you have a kid and he 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 go he doesn't play ball. He doesn't go outside. Why? Because every time he gets up to hit, right, he's never able to get a single or a double, and all the kids make fun of him. This kid can't hit. And one day, his mother goes into the store. A sporting goods store. She's going to buy him a glove. And she's talking to one of the guys, a salesman. She goes, you know, my son, he doesn't like to play baseball because he never gets a hit. It's always like a dribbler and, and the kids make fun of him. And the guy's like, I have the bat for you. It just came out. It's called the super bat. 
All you need to do is touch the ball, and that ball flies so far, he's going to get a home run every time he gets up. She goes, come on. He goes, I'm telling you, it's a new aluminum bat. It's called a super bat. It's $169. Most bats are $29. It's $169. It's, people come back to me, they said it's like unbelievable. And you, you just have to, you just have to connect. You connect, ball's out of here. She's like, really? Oh my gosh. You know what? The, the therapist is costing me $200 because he has low self-esteem because he can't get a hit. The bats, hey, makes sense, right? Rationalization. He's going to get a hit and he's going to get, have self, okay. She buys him the bat. She's all excited. She comes home. She goes, Chaimo, I bought you the greatest present. Now I bought you a glove. I bought you the super bat. He goes, the super bat? Ma, you know how expensive that is? I heard the guys talking about it. Like, like if you touch the ball, like, you bought me the super bat? Yeah. Please give it to me. Please give it to me. And he gives her the super bat. He, she gives him the soup bat. And yet, you can understand any mother that's in this room, right? You give this kid this bat, he's gonna go out there, he's gonna hit a home run, the chama. Everyone's gonna be jumping, he's gonna be the superstar, he's gonna, he's gonna get self-confidence. It's gonna be amazing. He takes the bat. Whack! Hits his mother. She says, hi, what's you? You think that was hard? Whack! Hits his mother again. Just then, her friend walks in. She says, what are you doing? Take the bat away from him. Take the bat away. He's beating you up. Take the bat away from him. She's like, Chaimo, please stop hitting me. Go outside and hit the ball. No, ma! Whack! And the friend's like, you crazy? What are you doing? I'll take the bat away from him. Don't touch him. Don't take the bat away from him. So the lady said, I don't understand. What are you doing? When he's finished hitting me, he'll go outside Maybe he'll hit, he'll hit his first home run. It's worth it for me to take a beating. Crazy. No, not, I, I don't like this story. That's abuse. Take that bat away from the kid. Lock him in a room. Send him to prison. He beat his mother up. But, but besides that, what would hurt the mother more than anything else? She'll, she'll forget the beating with the bat. She, I don't understand. I, I did this for my son. I went and bought him this bat because I love him. So that he should be a superstar. How could he hit me with the bat I bought him? The bat I bought him? He's hitting me with that bat? The life that Hashem gives us, that we wake up every single day and we're able to use our brains and to think. The physicists who are brilliant, who say they don't believe in God, who gave them those brains? Who gave them the 175 IQ? Shem gave him an IQ. And then you're taking the bat that I gave you, the superstar bat, the 185 IQ that I gave you, and you're using it to prove that I don't exist. And the malachim, the angels, are like, God, take the bat away. Take his life away. He's using his life to go to hurt you. Take it away. And Hashem turns to the malachim and says, it's okay. Because maybe at the end, at the last minute of his life, when he's dying and he's a hundred years old, he'll say, I'm sorry, and I really believe in you, dad or ma. So I'm going to give him another day of life, and another day of life, and another day of life. That's what hurts. It hurts when the human being takes the life that he gave us, and the beauty, marriage is beautiful. A good marriage is a good life. All the beauties that he gave us, that he gave us, and we're using it against him. And he gives it to us the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and he doesn't stop. And when he wants to destroy the world because we're not doing what we're supposed to, what does he put up? A rainbow. So everybody asks, if you're so angry, the symbol that you're angry and want to destroy the world Shouldn't be a rainbow. Rainbow, everyone looks at it like, whoa, nice, take a picture. It's beautiful. It should be tornadoes, black clouds, hail. It's hailing, and it's huge, and that means Hashem wants to destroy us, but he won't. Why a rainbow? Because he loves us so much that even in his anger, when he puts out a rainbow and says, I want to destroy the world, he doesn't want to scare us. Because if we're going to see black clouds and hail, we're all going to go, we're all going to freak out. So, in the worst moment when he wants to destroy the world, how does he show it? 
with beauty. And that's the symbol of the movement that is totally against everything he stands for. And for that reason, you have to cry inside out of pain. Uh, no protest. You're not going to change anything. But you have to make a macho. It has to hurt. Hashem said, I know you couldn't win the vote. I know that, Eov. But it didn't hurt. Because if it hurts, you cry. And if you don't cry, it means it doesn't hurt. And it hurts if you have a relationship with the Baruch Hu and you appreciate what he's doing. It hurts. And only God could do that. Only God could let you, could give you life to go against him and to say he doesn't exist. If you don't believe that I exist, so why you live, why don't I just take away your life and then you'll know that I exist. It's very simple. A person who's an atheist, he'll die and if Hashem exists, he'll see him right away. That's it. Question answered. No. He's patient, he's patient, he's very patient, he's waiting and he's waiting. That you're going to take the bat, even though you hurt me with it, and you're going to go outside and you're going to hit a home run. And you know what? It's worth it. If you're going to hit that home run, it's worth it, says Hashem. It's worth it for me to wait. This week's Parsha, the Parsha of Bilam and his donkey. Right. What a, what a, what a, what a weird story. A donkey talking? I mean, you know, for the people who don't believe in the Torah, like, that's like, uh, hello. Donkeys don't talk. Right? So, it's a very big question. It says that, we'll end with this. It says that ten, um, ten things were created the last moment of the, of the, when the world was being created. One of them was P. Awesome. Was the mouth of the donkey? God decided he's going to he's going to create a donkey that's going to be able to talk. So if God's going to create a donkey, he's got to be saying something really smart, right? If you're going to make a miracle, my Rebbe once once my Rebbe I once said something in class that wasn't very smart. He said, "But tiftach is piyasan." Said the dump, the donkey opened his mouth. Right? It's okay. I, I was my a long time ago. But anyway, so so what happened over here? So the Asan spoke. What did he say? So everyone knows the story. He, he, Bilaam's on his back, he's walking, there's a malach standing in front of him, the malach has a sword, and the animal's like, I'm not going any further, I don't want to get my head chopped off, right? Okay, so he squashes Bilaam on this side, then he squashes Bilaam on another side, then he squashes Bilaam on another side, and Bilaam hits him three times. So the donkey says to him, why did you hit me three times? Why did you hit me three times? So he says, I hit you three times because you didn't listen to me. Lu had I had a sword in my hand, I would have killed you. Okay? So he was very angry at his donkey. Chutzpah, you banged in three times. If I would have had a sword, I would have killed you. Says the Chidah. What are you talking about, Bilam? Bilam was hired to curse the Jewish nation at the right moment when God is angry in the morning, right? And destroy the whole Jewish nation. So what is he telling the donkey? If I had a sword, I'd kill you. He should have said... When I curse the Jews tomorrow morning, I'm going to have you in mind, and you're going to die also. If you have the power of cursing a whole nation and killing them, you can definitely curse a donkey and kill them. He was such a Russia, he was such an ingrate, that an ingrate, a person who has no appreciation, the minute they get angry, they want to hurt you. So he didn't want to wait till tomorrow morning when I curse you. No! If I had a sword, I would have killed you right now. Now, the question is over here, right? So, so what happened? The donkey's going, he sees a malach, he goes off, he squashes him. He goes off, he squashes So he sees the malach three times. Finally, Hashem opens the mouth of the donkey. What does, the, what does he say? Vayiftach Hashem is pi asan, vatoymel abilam, me'asisi l'cha ki yishan izer shalash v'galam. The donkey says to Bilam, why, what did I do that you hit me these three times? Oh, uh-huh. You made a joke out of me. If I would have a sword, I would have killed you. One second. Aren't I your donkey that you rode until... To, right? I took care of you till now. The major says he actually married him. Okay? He married his donkey. And he had physical relationships with his donkey. That's why... And she said to him, I'm your, I, Wasn't I a good wife to you your whole life? Did I ever do this to you before? Did I ever bang your leg, go off the derech? This was the first Asan that went off the derech. He went off the derech and banged his leg. 
today we make a yeshiva for him and kirov and therapists and donkey that went off the derech. No? We have a whole thing. We had raised money. Nechama. We have to open up a place for donkey to go off the derech. This donkey went off the derech, right? And what happened when he went off the derech? He got clapped. He got whacked. Right? That's not the right way. You have to talk to them. Right? So it's totally wrong. So what's going on over here? Just a little joke because I was very serious. But anyway, so he says, haven't I been a good wife? Haven't I been a good donkey? So Bilaam said, did I ever do anything like this to you before? Bilaam said, you're right. No, you never did this before. You were always good. Finished. The donkey says no more. He dies. He died on the spot. Because Hashem didn't want that a talking donkey should become an avoid Zara. He died on the spot. Hashem revealed by Yigalas Eni Bilam, by Yaras Malach Hashem, he saw the Malach, the Chavah Shlufa Biyadai, and the Malach was standing there with a sword. Why did you, you hit your donkey three times like that? He said, Don't, Did you see I was there? He said, I Bilam said, Chatosi, I sinned, I didn't know that you were there. So the question is like this, girls, why would God create a donkey to talk? What did he say? All the donkey said was, haven't I been a good wife? Did I ever do this before? Why didn't the donkey tell Bilam? Right? The reason I did this, there was an angel standing in the way with a sword. Had we gone forward, he would have killed you. Tell him the truth. The donkey never tells Bilam that there was an angel. All the donkey tells Bilam is, haven't I been a good wife? Did I ever do this before? And the Teretz is that Hashem would never create a donkey to talk to tell Bilam that there was a Malach standing in front of him. Because we see right after that the Malach told him. Hashem created the ability of a donkey to talk to tell us all about Akara Satayv. What was the donkey's taina to Bilam? His taina to Bilam was I was always good to you. I never did this before. So why are you hitting me? Why don't you just figure that they never did it before? There must be a reason. There must be something that I'm seeing. So the donkey, what came out of his mouth was that there's a malach. Hashem doesn't make a donkey talk for that. What came out of his mouth is, isn't it true I've always been there for you? I've always been there for you. I've never hurt you. Isn't that true? So why are you hitting me? Why aren't you thinking that there's something wrong over here? Something's going on. That was the lesson. And after that, so Madoch, surely, that the, Hashem created a Bria, that a donkey is able to talk, to talk to us. He wasn't talking to Bilam girls. He's talking to us. And he's saying, haven't I, haven't I always been there for you? Why are you hitting me? He's talking about Hashem. Because Baruch was saying, I've been there for you. I brought you into the world. I've been there for you. And now when things are not going right, right away you're, you're hitting, you're hitting, you're hitting. That's who it's talking about. And we have to learn that from a donkey. Surely a chamar, a chamar is tiny to Bilam, the biggest Russia, with your hakar satayv. I've always been there for you. Surely a chamar has the right to say that. Surely a father and a mother to their children, keep it of the aim, a husband and a wife, like, I've always been there for you. Why all of a sudden are you going crazy? Why aren't you thinking that maybe something's bothering me? Maybe there's something going on. Why are you lashing out? And that was the message of the donkey, but Tiftach is Piyasam. Kafui Toiv. And this Russia, this Russia, Bilam, when the Malach, said to Bilam, what do you want from your donkey? I was standing there with a sword. So what should have Bilam said? What would you have said? <gasps> I feel so bad that I beat my donkey. He saved my life. If, if, if he wouldn't have gone off, if he wouldn't have stopped, I would have been killed. Even if the donkey was dead, he would walk out to the, thank you, I am so sorry that I hit you. Right? I, 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 now that the Malach he saw the Malach. He realized the donkey saved him. What did Bilam say? So the Malach says, I was there. What does Bilam answer? He says, I sinned. What's my sin? What's my sin? Oh, not that I hit the donkey that took care of me all my life. No. 
My sin was that I didn't see you. After all the Musr, he said to the Malach, what's my sin? Not that I hit the donkey, you were standing there. The donkey saved my life. No, 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 no. He was a kafwe taiv. He was a bilam. So what was my sin? My sin is, I should have seen you. I guess I'm not great enough to see you. The Asun saw you and I didn't see you. That's my sin. Totally missed the whole schmooze. The whole mouth of the Asun. The whole schmooze that the Malach gave to him. Chatasi, my sin is, that I didn't see the donkey. Instead of my sin is, I hit something that took care of me all my life. That's the lesson from this week's parsha. I didn't see the malach. He said, he said, I didn't see the malach, right. He said the donkey. No, the donkey, the, I didn't see the malach, right. I didn't see the donkey. I didn't see, his sin was, I didn't see the malach. I should have seen the malach. Ah, you beat up your donkey who took care of you and he saved your life. Ah, doesn't matter. I don't owe anybody anything. Right. Just the opposite. I should have killed him. Right. And that's an ingrate. And that's the worst, 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 worst mida in the world. And that brings destruction to the world. And that's what the Medrash Rabbah says. The Medrash Rabbah says that the world was destroyed when the judges of the world made it a law against what Hashem created and what Hashem created the world for. Right? And the whole basis of it, the whole basis of it is, so, so where do they get children from? Where do, they, where do these people, men and men, and women and women, where do they get children from? They all adopt children. So those children are coming from a man and a woman. So the whole basis of your continuation, if you're adopting children, right? You're adopting children, not from, not from you people, because you don't have children. You can't have children that way. So you're adopting children from the world that you're saying is not the right way. We're the right way. So your whole future is based on man and woman, not man and man and woman and woman. So your whole future is based on that. And that's where you're getting your kids from. So the whole thing is Shekhar. So we can't change it. And the world's going to go the way the world's going to go. But we have to be, we have to sit there and we have to, we have to cry to Hashem that it hurts. It hurts. It hurts to watch how the world looks at God today. That hurts. And that hurts me. And that's why it hurts. That's all Hashem wants. We should, we should see Mashiach. You know, it says, we'll end with this thought. It says that in Mitzrayim we hit the 49th level of Tumah. And Hashem said, if they're there another second and they hit the 50th, they'll never be able to be saved. So we can't go into the 50th. But it brings down that when Mashiach comes, you see what's happening. And when the Messiah comes, we're going to be in the 50th level of Tumah. So they asked the question, in Mitzrayim, if we got into the 50th level of Tumah, we would never get out. So how can we get out of this Golas if we're in the 50th level of Tumah? And the answer is that in Mitzrayim was the Fnei Kabbalah Satayra. Before we got the Torah, so you, the, you could never get, you can only go to the 49th. The 50th you can't get out of. But once we got the Torah, being that in the Torah you can learn, you can get to the 50th level of Kedusha, then even in the times of Mashiach, we hit this level, we hit the 50th level of, don't worry, because there's Torah in the world. And there's a lot of Torah in the world. So as long as there's Torah in the world, we can come out of the 50th level, we can come out of the lowest level, and it's a show. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.